0: Hey guys, it's Angelo here from the Black in a Box crew. We weren't planning to record again so soon, especially after we put out the International Women's Day episode, but the events of the last week and the conversations that it brought up, we felt that we needed to come back and talk again. There is a trigger warning for this episode. We will be talking about the murder of Sarah Everard, and we will be talking about the experiences of women which does include sexual assault and rape. We did also have a few sound issues but with that in mind we hope that you are able to get something out of this episode. Enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is not dan this is angelo we are hosting an emergency black in a box dan will be joining us shortly we decided that we wanted to really talk about what the last week has been like i don't know if you guys saw the tweet that said uh sunday international women's day monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday fuckery sunday happy mother's day um And so what we really wanted to do is look at, in particular, what has been happening around uh, the Sarah Everard case. I thought about kind of giving everybody a bit of a backstory, but I feel like we all know what's been happening with that case. And we just thought as a as a collective that we wanted to have a really honest conversation. So Dan will be joining us, um, and I'm just going to welcome everybody else that's on the call. Welcoming for the third time, this is the hat trick, a bit sooner than we thought. Shabazz, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to whatever my prize is for my hat-trick performance.
0: (laughs) Excellent. For those of you that weren't listening last week, Shabazz is a midwife, a baker of the finest delectable goods, and least importantly, my little sister. Um, (laughs) Alana, how are you doing?
2: Oh, well, you know... Uh, whatever the, the International Women's Day sandwiched Mother's Day with fuckery, as you said. So I'm just, I'm just meh. I'm just I'm just, I'm just existing at this point.
0: Very real, very real.
3: Dom, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I mean, it's been a, a mad couple of weeks for everyone, hasn't it? So I'm here to listen and set some men, all men, to rights in this conversation this evening. Good.
0: So first up, when thinking about, it's been, I think it's fair to say, uh, a long week. It felt like a 2020 week uh, in that it felt it could have been like two, three years. Um, You know, the week started with the interview with Meghan Markle and her husband. And I frame it like that because isn't that how it's often framed in the other way? And we thought that that was going to dominate the news. And of course, then we moved tragically to the disappearance and then the finding of Sarah Everard's body. On the weekend, there were uh, thousands of people that wanted to have a peaceful vigil, uh, a vigil that turned violent when the Metropolitan Police, who it needs to be pointed out, have an officer that has been arrested on suspicion of murdering Sarah Everard. Uh, resorted to heavy-handed tactics and this led to an outpouring of grief, rage, general emotion and it also led to a lot of women sharing their stories of harassment and abuse online. The first thing that we wanted to do is just open up the space to uh, the women in the chat. Alana I'm gonna start with you I'm gonna ask the same question that I asked in the intro which is just how are you doing?
2: Yeah, you know, okay, so I I also think, like, just to give some background on this, uh, I I don't really have words for how I'm doing other than to just express my, like, response to the situation, but um, it started with a conversation between, like, kind of in our our WhatsApp group chat, right, about how horrible this was, um, what had happened to Sarah, um, the shock that, um, as you said, a police officer has been Brought into custody and I think at this point I mean I don't know where the case stands exactly but the the he is the spot the prime suspect right and then it, we really engaged in this conversation because I felt like I needed to go into a safe space because as a black woman just coming off of a podcast where Shabazz was on it as our guest along with Yana where we had literally just been talking about the fear of you have as a woman and particularly a woman of color um just walking out your front door or walking from a friend's house home um because of toxic masculinity and misogyny so we had just had this conversation and my next thought after hearing the story of sarah everard was i wonder if anyone would hear about this if this were me <laughs> um and that isn't to take away from the bigger issue which we will talk about that all women have to deal with so i guess my first response was one of just anger just as a woman and then my next response was a further frustration to see i don't know just to consider you know if this had been a woman a black woman would we even be hearing about this
0: Interesting. There's definitely more to be said on that, and, and we will talk on it. Same question to you, Shabazz. Uh, how are you doing?
1: Um, I think very similar to what um Alana said, really. I think it's really interesting that you bring up the point of if this had happened to me, who would know? Um, I had a very similar conversation in the group chat with my friends. Um, And this particular group chat, I'm actually the only black person in the group, and it wasn't me who brought it up, it was one of my friends, and she just said, you know, it sounds horrible to say, but I don't think this would have got the attention that it got if this had been about a black woman, which is really um, disheartening, but away from sort of like a race issue, just in general, with what's happened this past week, it has just been... um, Personally, for me, just quite damaging for my mental health. Um, it's been a pretty... It's weird because it seems in one sense that you just feel like you've got so many women who are going through and sharing their experiences, and you're sitting there going, I'm not alone, this does, this isn't just me, this happens too. And, you know, for every woman who has a story, there's another one, her, her friends, her family that have a story. But also, in a sense, it's been quite isolating, and that's more, that's definitely based more around the response to this. Um, and not just from this is not a this is just men that are reacting this way. I've heard some comments was, from some women that are just really worrying. And um, for me, it got too much. I think on maybe Friday night, and I think I was just sick of just the constant um coverage of um the interview with Meghan Markle and how she had been perceived. And then it was this kind of thing of. The Sarah Everard case is kind of broken and, and we know more details about what's happened to her and who is being in, is who's been investigated for that um and it's just the reaction and it becomes like almost this toxic thing and you're without even realizing it when you're reading these comments when you're seeing these tweets when you're engaging with these posts wherever you're taking in some of that negativity so I personally had to get to a point um I think on on Friday night or Saturday morning where I've just stepped back. I've deleted social media off my phone. I just needed a break um, because it is just for us to still be having a conversation in 2021 about why why are we still in a situation where women can't walk home from a friend's house and make it to the other side? Why are we in a situation where when this kind of thing happens that The questions are one of the things that um, really annoyed me, as I saw a few comment, I've seen a lot of comments that were talking more about the fact that she had broken the lockdown rules to go and see her friend. And that was the main issue. No, sorry. The main issue is that a a woman has lost her life walking from her friend's house to her front door. Why do we care uh, that she was breaking lockdown rules? Who cares? Who cares? that's the same logic and that's the same um, mentality of people who hear that a woman has been raped and ask what she was wearing. Who cares what she was wearing? Who cares what she was wearing? Um, So for me, how am I feeling? Not great. (laughs) Um, This whole situation has, has um, unfortunately opened my eyes to a lot of uh, relationships I have with a few people and really kind of made me check in with myself about how much I'm consuming about it as well, because it is just, it's, Got to a state where it was almost it felt poisonous for me to be taking in all of this this negativity and stuff. So that's kind of where I'm standing on it at the moment.
2: And you know, Shabazz, like, and just to add on to that, like, I I guess like anger is definitely maybe the main feeling that I have because as women, this is not our problem. As in, like, we did not create this problem it is not our problem to solve. And I guess the anger is coming from, yeah, like everyone knows these stories. Women have been talking about this for years now and like very publicly and, you know, you feel like you have the support of some men, um, but what is actually being done by men to, As I previously said to Angelo, like, unfuck the fucked up situation that they've created. (laughs) Like, because it's it's not on women. Like, men really need to have a fucking look in the mirror and have a talk with themselves and get it together. And I, I I guess, like, this is like uh, where we can I don't know pass on to to Angelo and and Dom um, and Dan when he gets here because. I just don't really want to talk about it anymore. I just want to be like, this is your problem then,
1: so what are you going to do about it? I think that as well, just going from what you have said, is absolutely not not the burden of women to educate men to essentially do what we're all taught in um, nursery school, in primary school, which is just keep your hands to yourself. just keep your hands to yourself if someone doesn't want you to touch them don't touch them but at the same time if we have men who are genuinely interested and want to have a, a an open and adult a very sort of informed conversation about this and I'm happy to to have that as well um and I say that but then at the same time I have opened myself up to have those conversations it's one of the reasons I came on social media is uh a I um, I don't know if you saw obviously we were talking about what happened over Saturday and over the weekend with the vigil um, I was originally looking for someone to come with me because I'm on my own over here um, and I wanted to go and um, someone that I know not very well messaged me who is a man and asked me which one I was going to and I turned around very seriously and said I'm not really comfortable telling a man where I'm going to be um, and his response was something like, um, I don't have the message up now, something like, oh yeah, you've got to assume that we're all rapists and murderers now because of you know what's gone on. And I was just like, Ugh, okay, that's not really the vibe that we're going for, but okay. And I kind of said, yeah, yeah, you know, if that's sure what you said is fine. Um, and he came back and he said, what's worse is that I'm also a police officer. And I said, that kind of makes it much worse. And he laughed, by the way. And I said, that kind of makes it much worse considering who is being investigated at the moment over what has happened to Sarah Everett. And his response when he came back was just kind of like, I'm actually, I might look for the message. He said something ridiculous and put up this like poor paragraph of just like, he said it wasn't a, an issue for men, it was an issue for society. He said that you know he was like just because I'm a police officer doesn't mean that I'm him okay but that's also not what we're trying to say either um he in one hand said something along the lines of you know these people are educated and they know what they're doing they have good lives they have these families and they just do these really stupid fucked up things so actually it's a mental health issue but then turned around and was just like you can't treat everybody like that and saying that we need harsher punishments for these people. Um, and my favourite part about what he said was, he said, you know, it's unfortunate, unfortunate. He said it's unfortunate that, you know, statistically women are more likely to be sexually harassed, sexually assaulted. He was like, you know, women have that happen to them more. But men get robbed more. They get mugged more. They get stabbed more. There's violence against men more. And I said, OK, cool. But who is committing these acts against these men? It's men. um so the issue isn't society the issue isn't mental health it's it's men doing horrible things to other people i'm not saying that obviously there aren't women who do atrocious things but that's not the conversation at the moment and i think we need to stop this thing as well where he was trying to push it back onto women and it was just so heartbreaking to have this conversation i was like almost in tears because i was so frustrated and i was so angry so it's in one hand yes we are happy to have these conversations but like you can't come to these conversations with this closed-mindedness of going well I already know what the issue is and it's this and it's that and it's this and actually it's not men and just because I'm a man and I'm a police officer doesn't mean that I'm him or whatever whatever the 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 part of this week that really upset me was when they announced that they had found her body and it would been formally identified as her and the next morning, the thing that was trending was not her name, but it was hashtag not all men. That was just... <laughs> I just, I don't have words for that, really. I don't. What words can you say?
0: Well, I will not say any words, but I will bring in Dan, who has joined us. Dan, you were at the vigil at Clapham coming on Saturday Can you tell us what that was like? Because obviously we spoke afterwards, and you were you were quite kind of you had feelings about it. Do you want to just kind of share what that was like for us? Cheers. So yeah, I mean it's a weird one because on the Saturday
4: when we actually went to the vigil, it was I say vigil went to Clapham Common, and we'd skirted we'd gone up a bit past the six p.m. original scheduled start just because. Once we you knew it wasn't going to happen on schedule, I thought it's probably going to be a bit better just to give it a bit of space and give people some time to sort of go and do what they need to do. And immediately you could see like like Cla- Brixton full of people, like Clapham full of people, and everyone sort of seemed to be already sort of walking away as it, you know it's sort of finished. And I like, that's a bit strange. And you know there's lots and lots of people walking back, and as you got sort of closer and closer. You could see that like, there was just like just rings and rings and rings of lights of people. And you could hear the chanting a good like half a mile away from like the other side of the common. And for me, the takeaway was it's I mean, I've been to a few of these protests now. It's it's weird. Like in the in the last year or so, it just feels like we're protesting every like every three or four months for something. Or, you know, a vigil for something. And what struck me is, like, the shock. And it was a shock of the people and a shock of the crowd that this thing could have happened. And I've I've seen it said elsewhere. Like, I, I don't know... I'm not sure how people are shocked at how the events unfolded, um, even beyond sort of the initial... Like horrible like abduction, an horrible attack, which, when you look into the figures behind that, shouldn't be that shocking. And even beyond the police response to that initial uh, disappearance and how the media responded, which is not that shocking, and then how the police responded to policing the vigil itself and letting the vigil go ahead, not shocking at all. And it's it. Just, I, I, was, I was quite, like, I don't know. I was taken aback at how sort of raw this thing felt to people whereas to me it just feels like a continuation of a feeling and of a mood in a city and in a country that's sort of undergone some pretty unpleasant times in the last year or so so yeah that was that was me there was this sort of undercurrent of like a bit of rawness a bit of like quite a, quite a lot of anger but it wasn't like yeah it didn't it didn't have sort of I don't know, it didn't feel sort of, it wasn't like a sort of guttural anger, like if, if anyone tries to frame this, this thing, uh, the vigil, as as this sort of angry protest, it wasn't that at all, it was not that at all. Um, I didn't actually see, like, violence, but you could see, you, you, I've seen enough policing in my time to know when they're showing up at an event and they're going to get bored and they need something to do and there's going to be trouble. Yeah, things that's, things were definitely headed that way.
0: I think just in terms of what Dan was saying there on violence, um, today, um, former Tory leader Sir Duncan-Smith suggest, suggested police had themselves been threatened and manhandled by the crowd, while backbencher Faye Jones claimed the vigil was, and I quote, hijacked by those who would seek to defund the police and destabilise our society. And Priti Patel's response to that, was that Miss Jones was absolutely right and that she had made a very, very important point that a peaceful vigil turned into some pretty ugly scenes. So just to be clear, Dan, you're saying that you didn't sense any of that uh, in the time that you were there?
4: Not at all, not at all. And it doesn't surprise me that that's the party line and that's the way they're going to go because obviously they've got this vote on the sort of anti-protest bill and they need everyone to get on side. It's interesting, actually. I've seen some of the debate online and some of the discourse, which I've been covering from work, is that what you're starting to see now is people starting to educate themselves around what defunding the police means and I, i've it's the first time i've seen that in the uk where people are like oh well let's defund the police like you know that's that's going to be even more violent so like no one less police officer one more youth worker where potentially you're intercepting five young people when they you know and you need 10 less police officers that's that's the way the cycle goes because you start to think of other ways to look after these things are things health issues are things issues of like uh social care and welfare people start to think of other ways around this because now it's starting to touch parts of society who thought they were previously untouchable themselves it's uh people are starting to think okay maybe now we need a better option
0: i think what's interesting don i want to bring you in shortly but just on that point that you were saying Dan that it felt like a continuation rather than something new I this is not my first time hearing about the uh, this bill particularly because a few months ago I was I signed a petition and I kind of did use my social media platform to bring awareness to this bill because it was a bill that seemed almost surgically targeted at removing the rights of a traveling community and very, very little interaction with it. Um, and it was quite clear that people weren't interested. And I can't kind of speak for why people weren't interacting with that uh, message at that time. But it's the reason that I've been, it's been kind of particularly disheartening for me, all of the talk about this bill and kind of protesting against it now, is because it seems that, it feels a little bit like selective empathy. And I think that perhaps speaks to what you were saying, Alana, about would uh it be the same up would there be the same uproar if this had happened to you or to um Shabazz. And I think there's two things that need to be said. The first thing and and Dan, I'll give you know, you did a really good job in our group chat of centering this, is that beyond anything, a young woman has been murdered and it doesn't matter what she looks like that's what we engage with um we don't need to use her death as a jumping off point to something else we should have as we often like to say this same energy um whenever this happens to any woman but at the same time i can understand black women one of the names that kept coming across my timeline over the weekend was blessing um on sagan who was a student who Um, a black student who died in very similar, uh, it seems very similar circumstances to Sarah Everard in East Sussex. And her death has been uh, deemed as unexplained by Sussex police. Um, She was also on the phone to friends, she couldn't sleep. And the fact that I only discovered her name in the kind of media space helps me kind of perhaps understand why there are a lot of non-white women that kind of say our heart breaks for Sarah Everard will your hearts break when it happens to us Dom I want to bring you in because obviously we've I really just want to bring the group chat to life so we've had a lot of discussions on this and I was just hoping that you would kind of bring kind of some of the stuff that we've been talking about to to the pod
3: yeah it's 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 a tough one isn't it i feel having these conversations it's a weird feeling because i feel as though kind of the same way that my progressive white friends do when they're talking about black lives matter and it's just searching your soul and everything that's at your disposal to try and make a difference and thinking about that practically thinking about that logically and then also emotionally and it is it's a challenging conversation and it's a challenging thing to try and make sense of in your own mind as well and i think a lot of a lot of that really because we are talking about behaviors which are prevalent in men here and as men we need to start figuring out what we should be doing on an individual level, level to make this better and one of the things that we have discussed angelo um, in the past, is and I think we spoke about it on the podcast once many moons ago as well. Some arseholes will say it's not all men, and I don't really want to give them that much energy, um, but that really, really does piss me off. Um, and we often think, right, there are times in all of our past when we will have done things that we're not proud of. And one of the ways that I framed it to you, Angelo, is as men, can we say that we stand by every single sexual encounter that we've had in the past? Um, can we stand by all of the behaviours that we have exhibited in the past and we can't I can put my hand up right here I'm not going to say that I've got a predatory past or anything like that but there will certainly be instances in my past that I look back on and I'm like maybe the light that I viewed that in at 19 years old is not the same light that I would view it in nowadays as a 30 year old that kind of self-reflection is it's not a good conversation to have with yourself I've had the conversation with a few friends this week it makes you look at yourself in a certain light and then when you start to think about the lasting impression and the lasting <sighs> impact that it's made on the other person those examples that we'd be thinking of it's its not a nice feeling it's not a nice feeling at all but it's the kind of thing that we need to we need to really hit head on and that's why we say when we're talking about black lives matter when we're talking about race these conversations are going to be uncomfortable. I think now is a point where men, we need to start getting uncomfortable as well and starting to search through our past, not even in our past, in our day-to-day interactions with each other. When we go to a club, when we go to a bar, when we're at our most comfortable with each other, to kind of shift in the guidelines of what is acceptable nowadays, because I don't, you, you can hear in the way that I'm speaking now, I'm kind of lost for words, because this kind of thing, I think it's hit home so much for me now because my girlfriend and my auntie live a a stone's throw away from where this happened and it shouldn't have to be the case that oh because it could have been someone that you knew that it hurts so much but that's never that's never going to escape you it's never going to escape you and I think that is also why this is so visceral for a hell of a lot of people because they've looked at Sarah and they thought well that could have been my friend but if that is the impetus to make people start being more honest with their behaviors and start having better conversations with the people around them then so be it but it's It's a a really difficult one to broach.
0: Yeah, we're going to kind of have a very honest conversation coming up um, about men, and we're going to be using the active voice I as opposed to the passive of just men in general. We need to very much put ourselves in that. But before we do, just kind of wrapping up this part, um, I just wanted to give the final words over to um, Alana and shabazz and just kind of asking where where do you want things to go and if if you can how do you think we can get there
2: one of the things that I was talking about when or thinking about when Dom was talking um are just instances in my life where I wish that a man who had been present with me for something had stood up for me or when I had witnessed something happen to a woman, had stood up for that woman. And that doesn't necessarily mean something violent, but I would like to see more men when they see other men touching a woman inappropriately or catcalling or, you know what, even in some lads groups on WhatsApp and like, maybe I'm going to be the party pooper here, but like, this is where it begins. Like some of the, some of the, videos and the photos and the things that go around in these groups where like even i i don't know sometimes like we pass it off as funny i'm just thinking about it and it's like these things that maybe seem harmless or innocuous is what grows into a greater issue and like a greater problem of objectifying women and not seeing them as humans but as seeing them as just you know eye candy or things for men's pleasure or humor or whatever and um Yeah, I would just like to see more men uh, speaking out and not tolerating that sort of behavior.
3: And just just before you you, you go in as well, Shabazz, it's not difficult, it's not difficult. Like you said, not everyone wants to be the party pooper, but at the same time, we've done this with other things. I bet you every single person in this group, especially the men in this group have said homophobic things in the past. We've listened to the songs, we've sung the lyrics and we've managed to stop doing that. The same thing with race, the amount of race-based jokes that I heard when I was a kid. Those same people don't use those jokes anymore. It's not difficult. It really isn't difficult. You just need to be honest with yourself and with your actions. And I think the second that we start to realise that, the second things start to get better. That that's not going to pass. Yeah, we might be in a safe space where the the lines of what is acceptable are blurred from time to time, but we're not doing that. It's not difficult to change those behaviours at all
1: um completely agree with you it's just none of this is rocket science it's not hard um to do and the people who are saying that it's hard are the people who are finding it the most uncomfortable to have these conversations with themselves with their friends Mm -hmm. with their families with their colleagues um so in that sense it's not surprising but it's still saddening um i think for me completely agree again with everything that alana said i think that when it comes to things where you see or you hear things that are just wildly inappropriate instead of laughing along with the joke sometimes you do have to be the party pooper and go hey guys that's actually not okay and I think that's what we need to do for the older sort of generations of men but what I would like to see is these conversations start happening at school um around consent around respect um um for each other not just whatever um you know not just respect that men have to have for women it's the same for women respect that women should have for men also um I went to a uh all-boys school for sixth form um the sixth one was mixed and some of the stuff I witnessed there I think with the sort of naive desperate to fit in personality and brain that I had when I was there at school I probably didn't really recognize how problematic with some of the stuff was but you hear it about schools all of the time the boys who think it's funny to ping a girl's bra strap that's inappropriate the the people who do things like try and look up a girl's skirt while she's sitting down or um you know if you have you know the stories that have have gone around about girls who are sexually active or whatever like it's anybody's business but their own it's just maddening um but also you have the culture of and this i think comes from fragile masculinity of um men finding it hard to deal with rejection and there are a lot of times when a man a a, a woman is again well within her rights to be like hey you know I'm not vibing with that that's not for me um and men will go and just make up lies about her. Um I know that I personally have had lies made up about me when I have said no to someone before, um, that have led to some very wild um assumptions to be made about me. Um I've seen it happen to my friends. Um, you know, it's it's not a joke, but you've you've heard it all of the time when, you know, a guy is giving you attention in the club or out on the street or whatever, and it's like, you know, hi babes or whatever and then you're like no thanks i'm actually not interested and they'll go they'll run around and immediately call you a slut, or call you a slag or say that you're frigid or you know say a whole host of other things that are just really derogatory towards you and i think that until we start addressing it from a young age and then making it a, a normal part of growing up and it's it's ingrained then in their brains that it's just this is how it's meant to be um i think that whilst we can and we can succeed with it whilst we can educate grown men it's a lot harder to change those perceptions of people who've had these ideals in their mind for a really long time than it is to educate younger generations so that actually it becomes normal to just treat everybody with respect i'm not saying that we can't do the work with um older generations and by older generations by the way i'm literally talking about everybody who is above school age um, I'm not saying that we can't do the work to change that. Like, we've seen it, things change in our lifetimes. I just think that we also need to put the focus back into educating people at a young age so that we hopefully never have to get to a situation where a woman is killed on the way home from her friend's house.
4: Back in the hot seat. And as Angelo had alluded to earlier on, we're going to talk about male behaviours around sex and consent and I think that is definitely an issue in the, in the very much in the sort of foreground of what happened to Sarah Everard and the experiences of so, so many women who were sort of reeling their stories off on, on timelines on different social platforms through the last week to two weeks and very much we, as we've been talking in our own group about how this is a male problem this is an issue of male ownership, and as Alana said so eloquently, how can men unfuck things? And you know, we were thinking the first step really is to is to take a look back at our own experience and take a look back at things that we did ourselves, and uh, yeah, sort of talk talk about how we can be better moving forwards and i'll say this sort of from my, my own experience i think someone had posed the question when did you first learn about sex and consent and i honestly couldn't answer that because it's not really it's not really a, a conversation which i specifically recall having like i to recall like v- vague recollections of um, sex education and those kind of classes that we had at school, and I don't recall any set conversations around how to behave like that. You know, conversations with your parents uh, with uh, with my mum about how to treat, be like how to be like a gentleman. I had two other cousins who were both female who told me how to uh, you know what is what is the way to, to to treat girls. I was you know I was never really sort of into girls like that until I was like sort of fifteen sixteen. So. Yeah, I think as a society, we just don't have that conversation. And then you go from this leap of position where people don't know anything about it to suddenly the sexually active, you're in secondary school, you're talking about who's getting off with this girl, who's getting off with that girl. And it's straight to the objectification without sort of anything else leading into that. And it is unhealthy. And ultimately, it leads young men, it led me... Lead others down the sort of wrong path of, of of and it takes a long long time to unlearn those behaviors, and um, I, I I can I can I can think of sort of instances where where previously myself like I've definitely gone into a nightclub and I've I've grabbed a girl's bum like I definitely did that in my teen years like that's without a shadow of a doubt and that's sort of when I think of like that if we if we call that tip of the iceberg behavior like that is it, it that is, seems to me to be so micro but imagine that times a thousand and that's a girl might go through that any a year and that's that's just one you know think okay well I've just got I've just got to accept that and that's the sort of pivot of thought which I think we have to go through it's like it's, it's not it's you can't you can't minimise things like that that is a big deal because of of how the impact
3: uh is felt on the other side. It's tough, isn't it? You, you talk about the fact that we don't have specific lessons, we don't have conversations about um, consent and how to properly equip yourself in, in those kind of encounters. And what we do have as a reference, what we had as a reference growing up, it was entertainment and be it music or movies or whatever, everything that we consumed growing up, the women were always an object in it if I think about the music that I was listening to, if I think you think about films like American Pie and all that kind of drivel that as teenagers we were exposed to, one thing that stands out to me, and it was a little bit after um, I, my friends, had started um, trying it on with ladies, but if I think back to Superbad, and there's a part in that film where um, one of the guys has got a crush on a girl and she's really drunk and he decides that he has to get drunk so then it's not predatory because if they're both drunk that's okay and these are the kind of things which seem seemed normal to us growing up oh it's okay now because i'm smashed as well i'm smashed so there's nothing that's funky going on here which points to the fact that you do know that there's something wrong there but we make these fake rules these fake little bylaws that We try and bend what is acceptable to work into our favour. And those kind of little behaviours and exactly what Dan was saying, the way that we acquit ourselves in clubs and in those kind of social um, contexts, it's really, really difficult to look back at because we will have created so much damage that we didn't even think about back then. If you think about, as a young man, conversations about losing your virginity, amount of people that someone has slept with or hasn't slept with. There are several people that I can remember back from my time at university that we will have caused some real damage to, and I'm talking about men here, because we would laugh and make jokes and have digs at them because of how sexually inactive they were. That was us trying to flaunt what we thought was our masculinity but then that's creating some kind of resentment in another person towards women because they're not sleeping with women and it's their fault it's not his fault it's their fault because they're not sleeping with him and then i'm thinking about all the toxicity that's building up in him and then we look and we're kind of absolving ourselves a bit because we're like well we're fine with women but this is what we've done to this person and i'm not going to go into too much details but i often think back to one example a guy that has turned into a predator and i look at myself as being partially responsible for that because of the kind of things that we used to subject him to at uni because he wasn't like the rest of us and there will be so many instances of that kind of thing happening where one person's not as alpha as another and you goad them for that enough times that now they're going to try and take what they need to get from women in order to be accepted from the others in their group and that's so fucked up it's so so bad and there are so many of us that are guilty of that we can't we can't change the past but these are lessons that we can thankfully pass on to other people now, and we have to do it.
4: It's uh it's it's funny, John, that like you sort of mention culture growing up, and I've I i want to sort of just cite two TV shows here. So these I both watch watch both of these as an adult. Um on there's uh, Californication, David Duchovny, who plays this writer, who's basically just he's just trying to shag everyone all the way through. And Entourage. Uh now there's an episode in Entourage where uh, Vince, Vinnie Chase, he's going back through and he ends up trying to contact every... He's supposed to be this nice guy, it's this sort of pretty boy Hollywood, like, always clean cut. And he's trying to track down every woman he slept with to see if they're sort of, like, on good terms with them because he doesn't like the idea of being called, like, being a dirtbag. I remember when I first saw that, like, I was like... I, I you know, you, that's, that's like, you hope you'd be able to say the same thing. And I was like, yeah, I very much can. And then I... The more I thought about that behavior um in my mind it's it's normalized it's it, 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 there should never even be like a question of that. There should never be a question of that but it's the thought it's a process of he'd had sex with all these people he'd um like his own gratification and his own comfort, and then years and years later, the secondary thought was actually have I been?" A good bloke about all these people, and it's, you, you mentioned before, Dom. Like, are you able to sort of look back and say, like, I've been the perfect gentleman through through your life? Like, I think that as men, it's we need to almost sort of reverse that reverse that sort of behaviour pattern where it's like it's we we're not prioritising the now and we're not prioritizing ourselves first like it's it's about like i'm not saying every every person like you meet every person you come across every woman you chat to in a club is going to be you're looking for a wife so and so but those every person you you talk to every you chat to every interaction should be treated with with as much dignity as you'd, you'd ever hope to someone to to give to yourself and um It's, I I just, I think in too many cases, that's not really even considered until, until later on.
0: I mean, I fully, fully agree with everything that you've said there, Dan. And I think that you and Dom have both talked about kind of personal experiences. And I think I've been thinking long and hard about what I kind of, what do I want to bring to this? What do I want to learn from this? And I've been talking to lots of people, I've been talking, I've had lots of uh, women telling me about their experiences, and I've been talking to lots of men too, and one thing, an idea that has formulated for me whilst I've been talking to these men is that, do you know what, our personal experiences as men does not trump statistics, Um, and what I mean by that is that I've had, I think, three conversations um, with some of former teammates, friends, and they've all kind of gone they've they've all had a similar kind of story, which is that um this story of Sarah Everard is absolutely awful um but you've got to be careful because here's a situation where um somebody that I know was falsely accused, and when you then when I've then listened to the stories. Just on first glance, what I hear isn't a false accusation. What I hear is an alcohol fueled hookup that one person thought was consensual and then another person didn't. Or something that started off as consensual and then the woman kind of decided that she didn't want to, and the guy, quote unquote, pushed through. Um and these Men that I've been talking to so earnestly have said, you know, I have been the victim of, or I know somebody that was the victim of a false accusation, and then they leave it hanging as if to say, so we can't believe, you know, every single story. But again, personal experience does not trump statistics. When that statistic came out that said 97% of women have um, suffered some kind of harassment in the UK, the only surprise was that the number wasn't higher. And if you take that statistic to be true, only one of two things is happening. Either there's a small minority of men, let's say 5%, let's say 10%, who are flipping working overtime, going up and down the country, harassing every single person, to a level that if it, if it is that small an amount, you almost have to admire the the grind, the hustle that they're putting in to make sure that they are kind of harassing everybody. Or, or the other thing is that we, I, Angelo, need to go back and have a look through my interactions with women and go, hold on a second, that's not right. Hold on a second, that's not right. And, you know, you can't use the excuse of, well, I've been in a long-term relationship, so, you know, I'm exempt. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, you kind of, I think that, that as men, we kind of really have to be aware that just because you felt a real you felt a real se- certain sense of grievance at the way that you were treated or the way that a certain thing was handled, it does not trump statistics. Um, second thing I wanted to say, and, and you know we've hit it from different angles, is that we have to expand our bubbles outside of the groupthink. Da- uh, Dom, you talked about kind of how you thought that you might have played um, a role in. Turning somebody into a predator. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you worded it. And I think that one thing that I've been really thinking about is I've heard a lot of this verbal trick where it's like, kind of, look, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, it's not, I'm not out there murdering people, as if, as if that's kind of what uh, issue is. And of course, <laughs> to be clear, issue is the murder, but uh, murder is the issue. Sorry, but. It's how do we get to that place where a person gets to that point and it's through a lot of behaviours that we leave unchecked. It's the, when a girl walks past and but I I know guys that go, well, I don't, I don't kind of wolf us or catcall or anything. No, but when they walk past, you do make sure that they know that you're looking at them and you kind of, eye screw them and then look at your mate. And I've done that. I'm not going to lie. I've done that where you look at a girl you're like, and you, but, and you say it all be enough because you want them to know that you kind of um, have found them attractive. But you also want to have that moment with your mates where you're like, oh, wow, damn. That's something that needs to be looked at because talking to my girlfriends, they're like, that's, that's not a comfortable thing. It's not a comfortable thing. And the problem is, is that, you know, if you're only surrounding yourself with people that you know think the same, you're going to get the same outcomes. And then the last thing, and I, I think, This is... I don't... Well, I can't speak for any other country. But when it comes to... um, And I can only really speak for cisgendered, heterosexual relationships in uh, this country. We have to look at the role that alcohol plays. Because the amount of people that I know that use alcohol as their permission structure to get away with the worst kind of stuff. You know, we're all drinking, so it's fine. And... And, you know, it doesn't need me to tell anybody that it's not. And I, and that's a large part of the socialization process. I went to a, an all-boys school. Um, and from year nine, you go to the parties, you get super, super drunk. And then we would literally say, and then you let the chips fall as they may. That, that, that was the socialization process. You know, maybe you get lucky. That's the language that we use. But on the back of me getting lucky is some poor girl getting unlucky. And that, I think, is more common than it should be. And so I think that, yeah, personal experience is not trump statistics. We need to kind of really consider the groups that we're hanging out with and if there's just a homogeneity of, of, of thinking and considering the role of, of alcohol. Um, and put yourself in that position, say I, and not men. I think there there's some things that I need to do, that Dan needs to do, that Dom needs to do, that we all need to do, if we're actually gonna make any kind of meaningful progress. I
4: will just sort of uh, pick up there, Andrew, as well. You, you, you did say we need to mind the groups that we hang out with. and. it's one I'm really torn on and it's because of the example that Dom brought up of his own experience it's good for ourselves to pull ourselves away from groups which might um, we feel have a bit of a poisonous atmosphere is it good for us to leave that group as someone who thinks differently is that removing ourselves from the, the from the burden of having to actually um change that behavior so i think i I don't this is just an open sort of debate i think as if we as we start to have all these conversations that we've spoken about on this podcast this is going to be sort of a wider thing i think it's we've always got to be mindful of our responsibility is to if 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 as someone who does think differently if you are someone who's ever thought well i'm not the type of bloke to do that okay prove it then Pro- prove it then when when no one's watching and it is a cost to yourself because it is hard, it is hard and I don't want to say like I've played rugby, I've played football and it's like we, we're not going to get into all the sort of the locker room talk thing like that, that's in those situations that's when you are needed most to stand up and stay there and, and take the barbs and, and be the lightning rod to let people know uh certain behaviors aren't going to be tolerated and shouldn't be tolerated and i think that's that's it is incumbent upon every bloke to uh to at least position themselves to do that maybe not everyone can do that and that's fine but then we need to we need to support as many people as possible who can do that
3: we have to look at it like this don't we we've all got a lot of white friends And I'm sure that we've all got a few white friends who have said that their grandparents say some mad racist things and we expect that our friends Will challenge their grandparents on their racist views because they're not acceptable anymore This is no different from that no different whatsoever I don't mind being a bit of a social pariah every so often I've done it with my friends where it could be something as simple as and it falls off the tongue for a lot of people Referring to women as birds, I don't particularly like that anymore, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check people for saying that. It might be something tiny, but it, it's not difficult. It's really, really not difficult.
4: I've done it, and it's terrible, and it's just become something I do because I'm from Yorkshire, which is what we call people, but like, it's not it's not
0: right. I uh, posted on social media. Um, I kind of chopped up a clip from Hannah Gadsby, who is just the best. If you've not seen um nanette you should go and see nanette it's amazing and she was talking um to uh, a group of hollywood stars and directors and writers and she was talking about her problem with good men
5: specifically i uh want to speak about the good men i want to speak about the very big problem i have with the good men Especially the good men who take it upon themselves to talk about the bad men. I find good men talking about ma- bad men incredibly irritating. <laughs> the last thing I need right now in this moment in history is have to listen to men monologue about misogyny and how other men should just stop being creepy, <laughs> as if that's the problem. Men, look, men are not creepy. Rejecting the humanity of a woman is not creepiness. It is misogyny. My problem is that according to the Jimmies, is that there are only two types of bad men. There's the Weinstein, Bill Cosby types, who are so utterly horrible that they might as well be different species to the Jimmies. And then there are the FOJs, the friends of Jimmy. These are apparently good men who simply misread the rules. Garden variety consent dyslexics. They have the rule book, but they just skimmed it, you know. Oh, that's a semicolon. my bad. I thought it meant anal. My issue is that when good men talk about bad men, they always ignore the line in the sand. The line in the sand that is inevitably drawn whenever a good man talks about bad men. I am a good man. Here is the line. There are all the bad men. The Jimmys and the good men won't talk about this line, but we really need to talk about this line. Let's call it Kevin. <laughs> and let's never call it that again. We need to talk about how men will draw a different line for every different occasion. They have a line for the locker room, a line for when their wives, mothers, daughters, and sisters are watching. Another line for when they're drunk and fratting. Another line for non-disclosure. A line for friends and a line for foes. You know why we need to talk about this line between good men and bad men? Because it's only good men who get to draw that line. And guess what? All men believe they are good.
0: The, th- the thing that I kind of have to keep catching myself doing is kind of saying, is stopping myself falling for the good man fallacy. Because in my, not so much now because of COVID, but in my interactions in life, I do upset women. And I have to be aware of. Doesn't matter my actions. They might they might be viewing it. I might be going. They know me, and they might be going. Yeah, and lots of women that are murdered know the people that that kill them. Most, um, most. It's so easy to say. And Dan, you can do this. Yeah, there are guys in my rugby club that you know. What I mean, they're a bit. Or, or you can go. Oh, there's guys at my football club that I wouldn't necessarily. Oh, but actually, it's me. That, that is, I can't put that on anybody else, that is me. And it's one of those things where in those moments, men, Angelo, Dan, Don, what are we doing? You apologizing without reservation or are we kind of saying, mm-hmm. get over yourself, you know, I'm a good person. And it's, and it's a constant thing. Dan, you said you got to prove it, but it's an everyday thing, it's like learning. Once you start learning, you don't, you don't reach a point where they hand you the diploma and say, you have learned all there is to know and therefore you don't need to learn anymore. It's an everyday thing and I think it's important that we are just really like brutally honest with ourselves.
4: Like even I'm like in, in work terms, in sports terms, like I'm very, I'm a pretty self-critical person. However, when you're thinking about hurt, you've caused someone else, that goes out the window because I don't want to, I don't like the idea that I can be that person. Like much less owning up to that situation where I've caused the harm. Yeah, in my sense, it's it's very when you're in a situation where you know you've, you've you sort of your actions have caused harm to someone else. It's it's a terrible feeling, and it's even worse when you were just going about your daily business, and I'm just trying to be down, like trying to be funny, trying to be whatever, and outside somewhere I've been grossly insensitive. And it's worse to me because that means that's how I am normally. Like the way I usually am could cause someone someone I like like pain in harm. arm. So yeah, I mean it's it's it is hard to hear those things. I guess you you, you hope that you've got people around you that gonna that are gonna check you, but it's something that I think is ongoing and you've just gotta sort of keep an eye on it daily.
1: Um, I just wanna go back to what Angela was saying about the kind of good guy narrative and kind of potentially ask a bit of an uncomfortable question to the men on the pod which is do you do you think or have you been in a position where an accusation has been made by someone made about someone sorry who you see as a sort of quote-unquote good man and if that's the case do you feel like you're relationship with this person has made you question um question the accusation and kind of go you know I just wouldn't expect that from them or you know maybe you know make up some kind of excuse as to why the accusation had even come come up in 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 the first place
3: I can speak to that and it's more to the first part of your question because Honestly, I am and have been for quite some time the kind of person that's, I believe the victim. I believe the victim and I, and I will always have that kind of line. But if I speak a bit more to what I alluded to earlier, um, someone who was a good friend of mine at college, at university, sorry. Dan knows him. We've been on holiday with him. I don't give a fuck about airing him. Um, who's now been accused of rape. He has cheated on, a, on his girlfriend and drugged her food so she wouldn't find out that she had an STI from him all of the worst of the worst things that you can think that a man would do to a woman, to someone that he supposedly loves. And the first thing that came to my mind was right, we got to cut this person off. But then I think that's the easy part. Cutting off one of your friends is, it sounds like it's quite difficult, but when they do such reprehensible things, it's not difficult at all. But it's more to what I was saying earlier, um, looking at the role, directly and indirectly that we played in these things happening. Um, In the jabs that you've thrown someone's way, um, in the way that you've spoken about women with that person, um, not checking things that you had seen in their behaviour sooner. I think there's a Daniel Sloss um, stand-up where he talks about this kind of thing and how you could potentially stop your friends from becoming rapists and attackers and predators
6: how do you fix this, how do you stop this, how do you prevent this from happening and I've got no answers man the only thing I can think of is it has to involve us and by us yes, I mean men now to the women in the room I know you know this none of this is new information to you, you've lived your life you've got your experiences and your voices are more important and necessary in this discussion than mine that being said I would still like to lend my voice to the discussion I'm just trying to tell you my experience and this is my experience I knew this man for 8 years and he fucking did it There are monsters amongst us And they look like us If you are sick of the narrative That is currently going on about men Feel free to change it But you have to get involved Don't make the same mistake I did for years Which was just sitting back and being like Well I'm not part of the problem Therefore I must be part of the solution Because that's just not how this fucking shit works I believe and deep down I know that most men are good Of course we are But when one in ten men are shit And the other nine do nothing They might as well not fucking be there Being good on the inside counts for absolutely fuck all You have to actively be good and get involved Instead of having this fucking hero complex being like, I'm going to beat up a rapist Fucking prevent one, stop one Because I know it can be done Because I know how I fucking failed at it Because if I'm being 100% honest with myself Were there signs in my friend's behaviour Over the years towards women That I ignored The answer is yes And then he raped my friend And that's on me until the day I die Talk to your fucking boys. Get involved. Because I'm going to be honest with you, lads. Women are trying their hardest to not get raped. Like, every day, they try to not get raped. I think it's their priority. Mine's is Wi-Fi. (laughs) I can't do much. I just won't do nothing anymore. And I'm just suggesting that you do the same.
3: And I think now that's what we have to take as a responsibility. It's not necessarily looking through our history and saying, I could have done that better. I should have done that better when there is an accusation against someone that you know no matter how much you believe that person how much you have got on with that person how much respect you've had for that person it's for me it's not even a question I'm why would somebody else say something like that about about someone unless it was uh, unless it was true yes there are some certain certain circumstances where someone will make something up but for me those are far too few and far between for me to take that as the lie that I'm going to um, approach other conversations with but it's yeah that, for Dom me it's a hard line thing it's a hard line I thing.
0: think um um the best way I've heard it described is that um for men is a uh, black men it was it was done specifically to black men they said assume women play the rape card about as often as you play the race card and I was like yeah. that 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 more than anything really broke it down for me because I was like of course
2: if any of the conversations that we've had on last year about race and any of these things have shown, it's that people often don't want to think critically of themselves, but then even when they do want to educate themselves, it's like pulling teeth. <laughs>
5: like mm. it's,
2: it's difficult to train, to teach an adult <clears throat> how to question themselves. And especially like when we were talking before about how, a lot of toxic masculinity is born from actually seeing your masculinity as a reflection of your relationship to the opposite sex. Like that's a mental connection that most people just don't even have. So you kind of have to put in those simplistic terms. And for me, it's like whatever terms we need to put it in so that people get the picture, (laughs) like let's just make it abundantly clear what the issues are and how to be a better person if you're somebody who wants to be a better person.
0: Shabazz, just to go back to your question, for the longest time, I had a very, very small circle of friends. I I kept my circle of friends very tight. But obviously, I played uh, a standard semi-professional sport for a number of years. And I remember there was a situation where one of my teammates uh, was accused of sexual assault. Now, a lot of it was kept from us, um, but obviously uh, the news got out. And what I remember from that time was a dual thing that happened, which was A, the guys that would talk about it, because there was like an embargo. So it was, um, we had a partnership with another institution that supplied a lot of players. And the players at that institution had been told, unequivocally you do not talk about this you could lose um your money you could lose your position you can use you lose your place um but obviously things get out but what got out to me was really only two things which was how good a guy this guy was he was the best of us and how much how uh, like every detail of his accuser's sexual history um And that is all uh, because, you know, she had been around the institution that they were in. I didn't, I, I, it was only when you asked me that question, Shabazz, that I thought back to that situation because I was one of the older players. I was one of the senior players and these were a lot of the younger players. So, you know, I wasn't one of the ones after training that would stay for a few drinks. I wasn't involved in that. Like I was semi-professional means that after training, I needed to go home and do my marking. Um... But I, when you said that, I kind of, I didn't challenge the narrative. Um, the player that was accused, I didn't particularly know. He wasn't a regular first teamer, so I wasn't like I had lots of interaction with him. But I never really questioned what they were saying—that he was the very best of them—and um, crucially, neither did I question why they would be telling me about her sexual history, as if that in of in and of itself is a defence. And so, in that situation, I can say I fell massively short. I fell massively short. But I and and I also can say, and then maybe you want to speak on this, is that, um, particularly rugby, the the relationships that you that I personally forged in rugby were born out of hard times, hard physical times, hard, all out of the game, kind of you. kick seven bells out of each other you kind of trust the you know your guy to have your in your inside you it's so easy when you have that to just twist it two degrees and corrupt it into something that's very very ugly but i know dan had dan played very very different clubs i played most of my career in the north dan's i think played most of his adult career in the south and maybe it's completely different but that certainly was my my experience are you
3: aware of the broader reputation that just being associated with a rugby club has? Very much so. Because, because the second that I hear anything untoward about a rugby player, unfortunately, given so many of my best friends have played and do play in rugby teams, straight away, because of the kind of behaviours and the goings-on in rugby clubs, especially at university, I automatically lean towards the worst anyway. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's any worse than any sports, but it's more visible than most of the other sports because of the size of you all
4: yeah I'm yeah absolutely like, I mean you only have to take two seconds for a, a, a Google search rugby club initiation and that'll tell you a, a lot of what you need to know um it's weird, like in my experience like so you, you I played rugby for what, three years at uni I played for two years before I got to uni and when I sit back and think about it there's a lot of people who I might play for a single year and they—I don't know if they'll think that they know me, or like they might think they know me because we played together or whatever. But when I, I you sit back and think, I'm like, I, you actually don't know a lot of these people at, at all, which makes it quite ridiculous to try and take aside in that instance, or take any kind of or back that person in in, in any kind of sort of question about morality and character. Um, there is someone who I played with at uni uh, who went on in fact, no, he's been convicted I'm not going to say the name because the victim is still out there he was convicted of sexually assaulting a girl outside a nightclub in Northern Ireland and had you told me at the time he would go on to do this thing I'd have been surprised um, when um, I heard about it, like after it's weird because I heard about it after the fact, after he'd he'd sort of done his sentence, and I was I was like, wow, that's you know, mm-hmm. it really sort of forced me to to sort of interrogate how much I knew this person, how what have my interactions been like when I've been out when I've been out with him. Um, but as you say, Dom, the reputation of the sport means although I was surprised, I, I wasn't shocked. And in that particular instance, uh, to get to answer your question, Shavaz, I don't think a, a good guy fallacy was was anywhere near my the, the forefront of my mind at that time. I think I have fallen short absolutely in the past. I think I've, possibly remove in fact possibly. See here I am again, I'm couching things. I have walked away from situations where, like I say, it would have been the harder but more rewarding to 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 hang around and to 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 argue the case, to to say something's wrong, to take any kind of moral stance. Um I've sit sat by and watched and, and heard jokes and heard people talk about things, um, in rugby clubs and not said anything because Hiding behind the guise of being a young player, so you know it's not my place to say anything. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's. I think I don't think it's ever too late to to change that. I know we said we've spoken so much here about interrogating who we were before, or things we've seen, or things that you know behaviors around us from the past. I think starting with the here and now if it is too difficult for
3: people as a starting point to go back and look at their own past behaviours, it's better than nothing. This is it, isn't it, as well? Because it we've got to appreciate the fact that most people aren't tough. Most people hate confrontation. And you just spoke then to when you were a younger player in a rugby club, not confronting these things because that was your role as a younger player. You didn't really want to challenge that and I think that can be extended to the vast majority of people now and this is another thing which I struggle to be hopeful about because a lot of the women that I've spoken to in the wake of Sarah Everard have said that what they want as a minimum is for men to stand up for them in these day-to-day occurrences when there are people that are acting in an incorrect in an aggressive in a predatory manner it could be something that's much smaller than that and I don't think people will I, I really don't think they will I can say that people on this podcast for instance might do but we all have a fortunate veneer of looking tougher than we might actually be but there are a hell of a lot of other people out there that aren't and that's why I do get concerned that won't stand up for people in public and that I can't really see a way that women are ever going to get that support that they need and that they deserve in those instances because I just think people are too scared to confront people that they don't know in public. If you can't even confront your friends, how are you going
0: to confront a stranger that you don't know? I'd actually argue it's easier to confront a stranger than it is to confront a friend. You confront a stranger, it's over and done within a moment. You confront a friend, you kind of start going, "Well, that's a relationship that I might lose forever." So, whilst I kind of agreed with everything else that you said, I think actually it's much easier to stand up for a stranger than it is. It's uh, much easier to stand up to a stranger than it is to a friend, I think. Because also they know what again, you've been again, like. Again, again, Angela. Though, Angelo, though you're, think... you're like
3: six foot fifty-two. You're massive. You're a massive black guy. It might be easier for you if you're a five foot nothing white guy who is built like a fucking cheese string. How are you going to stick up for someone who is being touched up on a tube? You're not going to do it. It's very, very different for you. So for you to say that. Oh, sorry. It's I not thought same, I, I didn't
0: it? realize that you meant physically. I thought you just meant uh, in like a more general sense.
3: Yes, of course. It it doesn't it, 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 could, it, could, to physical, it could it could progress to physical it could it could progress to physicality, but even if it's just something that you can stop by saying, "Hey mate, you've been a bit out of order there." It's very different if it's you saying that compared to if it's most people saying that, unfortunately.
0: Uh, I don't I don't know how to feel about that. Um uh, I don't I don't know that I agree. I know what you're saying, and, and I know that I kind of should logically agree with what you're saying but when i think about people that have checked me in the past people that don't know me who have kind of checked me they it's not like they've been 6 foot 52 i think it is about an individual's decision of whether you know what it is that they feel they can or can't take so i'm not sure i know what you're saying but i'm not sure that i kind of would
3: you're speaking from a position of privilege the way that I see it, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, and, I,
4: I... And unfortunately we're not. I know exactly what you're saying here. I mean, it's like... it's I can only see it in in the summer when stuff opens up. It might get a bit long for people, like in a nightclub in Shoreditch where there's a, a group of guys and, and there's one girl and there's one guy walking past and you need to be brave enough in that particular instance. And it's not, you know, that's... I've gone to an extreme there, but... Um, it's those kinds of situations where you'd hope the person's friends are going to be the one to sort of pull this out. But that's what i are saying. You need, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a mindset change. Like it's, with vigilante, like justice is not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to get us it's anywhere. It's already gone too far if that's the Exactly. Case. So it's gotta be a mindset change. It's good. It's, I hate to say it because it's, it takes a long time, but that's, that's the way this has got to, this has got to happen. It's got to be clubs and bars taking this serious and throwing people out. It's got to be a, a, in the short term a removal of your privileges to do certain things if you're going to infringe on other people's peace. But in the medium term, it's education, it's accountability from sort of groups of friendships, and in the long term, it's that sort of education piece we started talking about at the at the outset.
0: I think we might be talking about slightly different things. Because what I'm talking about is the thing that we were talking about when we were saying that what we're seeing in those nightclubs, the bits that you're talking about where you need to step up, that's the end point of all of the other, what we might call minor behaviours, that if you stop if you stop those, these bigger things don't end. So when I'm talking about stepping up, dumb, I'm not talking about kind of the... Yo, stop it. I'm talking about in the group chat. I'm talking about kind of when you're out for drinks with your friends and they do the so I was, you know, I was banging this slut and it's like, "Hold on a second. That's, you know, it's it's stuff like that. That's the bits and ask yourself if you've heard stuff like that. I'm talking to Dom and Dan. Maybe not that specific those specific words, but definitely that specific kind of tone Sentiment. on nights out with the man then. Not in that accent, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my point—I—I I feel like my point is—is—is is, is made, which is that kind of yes, I agree that as somebody that has size privilege, I've never felt any way about kind of kind of stepping to anybody that I need to step to. But I've also been timid in situations when I'm round the when I'm round quote unquote the lads, and actually maybe the real strength is in those situations stepping up.
3: Well, this is it. This is it. It's a it's a myriad of things, but what you're saying here what we're discussing in terms of us checking our friends the people that we have an influence over that prevents something happening tomorrow potentially if we step up today that's potentially stopping someone getting raped today so there's these two different many many different points to it and I think we have a role to play in all of them and the point that I was trying to make is that I think unfortunately the majority of people are too afraid of confrontation to do that I I genuinely believe that
2: yeah I I do think it is multifaceted um but I guess like just to bring it back to what the central issue is is that at the end of the day it's your female friend who like you're saying Dom might be attacked or assaulted and not to say like I want to put any of my guy friends or (laughs) be sizist and say like oh if you're a bigger person you should have the bravery to like step up or if you're a man like and you're a small person that's like I don't want to say like just because you're a man means that you suddenly have to be the protector because that's not either but just from my perspective I would like to see more significantly more you know but I do also think that you have to judge the situation you know like I was saying in the last pod when I was in that precarious situation where um, somebody touched me inappropriately where normally I would make a big fuss and say something and maybe like start throwing stuff
1: (laughs) if I felt safe enough to do so
2: you just have to I don't know make a judgment call in terms of your own safety.
1: I was trying to find something that I posted last year and it was looking at some of the comments that um, law enforcement and judges and court and stuff like that have have made when it comes to discussing sexual assault cases and they were so shockingly worrying with the language that was being used in the kind of narrative that was being displayed um comments such as i think one of the comments was something like you know when you find yourself in that situation where it's uncomfortable i think the best thing to do is just lay back and take it and other such comments I just, I don't even want to get into. So I guess another question would be, do you think that even if we're doing the sort of groundwork at the bottom and we're talking to our friends and we're talking to our families and our brothers, boyfriends, everyone, do you think that real change will happen if the, yeah, if the system is 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 still kind of set up in that very old fashioned, completely inappropriate um, completely unrealistic way. Do you feel like us doing the work down at the bottom will make serious change?
2: I do think you can't have this conversation without talking about the systemic issues that basically uphold um, the patriarchy. I guess um, I have my godmother's mother. She's a DA in California, and so she's talked to me about some of like the cases, just generally that she's had to look at. Hey, and, and the amount and the, anyway, the amount of um, the amount of cases that just get thrown away that have to do with sexual harassment sexual assault, because at least there, the judicial system is set up in such a way to basically make it impossible for someone who is a victim of sexual assault or violence to prove that they're telling the truth. It almost is like the system is rigged in the favor of the predator, and I don't know if it's like the same here in the UK, but I would imagine it is very similar, like the system is set up um, similarly. Um, And that's the other thing, too, is that when a woman is brave enough to come forward and to report something that's happened to her, and the system that's supposed to protect her and supposed to provide justice fails so many times like what that does to a woman's psyche what that does to just the psyche of the collective psyche of women in general is traumatic and then if you are in that position of being a victim and it's like the system has failed you and then on top of that your male friends or the people around you, even female friends then also don't believe you just because somebody your assailant didn't get a conviction uh it is like lifetime trauma right there. Um and so I just think that that is really important to have in the conversation too. And like what you guys are talking about of if somebody's ever been falsely accused. And it's like I don't, you know, who really knows whether it's false or not, but I would say that in a number of those quote unquote false accusations, it's just that they didn't get convicted. But it doesn't mean that it didn't happen.
1: Um I think you also have the case, I mean, this is taking it back a bit now, the whole um the case of Brock Turner and the way that that was portrayed, I know obviously that was in America, um, but even the way that that was portrayed, um, I think his dad said a very memorable thing for all the wrong reasons. Didn't he say something about, you know, his son shouldn't have to um, face the consequences for, was it like 20 seconds of news? He or something said, concert, which disgusting.
5: was disgusting. He said
2: that he had his whole life ahead of him and that, basically his life shouldn't be ruined just because he raped a woman even though he had ruined somebody's life that because he was a star student and a rich white boy like basically his life was more valuable than this woman
1: and again because he was a, a celebrated athlete and he brought that kind of um attention to the college that he was attending that was placed above that of of the the victim in that situation
0: the 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 full quote from his uh dad and i think it's important to remember that he was sentenced to six months in prison because the judge had stated that a longer sentence would have a quote unquote severe impact on him um and of that six i believe he served three um but turner's father in a letter to the court said the sentence is a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action out of his 20 plus years of life um (sighs)
1: It makes me just...
2: absolutely
0: actually sick. to hear that? Uh, yeah. And just to kind of complete it, his attorney, in trying to have the sentence overturned, argues that uh, Turner was trying to have, quote-unquote, out-of-course, an activity that does not involve vaginal sex and as a version of safe sex.
1: Oh. oh, fuck, man. Like, I can't tell you how, when I hear this stuff like my heart is just I feel like I've got palpitations and I feel like I want to vomit like the fact that these are things that are being said by people who are meant to be essentially protecting us and dealing out the justice to the people that do wrong the fact that you can have someone who is in such a powerful position to make comments like that and get away with it and Um, a parent
2: I can't imagine having a son that did something like this and me not being anything but like where did I go wrong? yeah yeah the hell is wrong with you like we need to fix you like I can't imagine I can't imagine having someone like that as a son and taking that stance
1: and I fully understand this uh the the parenting uh concept you do want to protect your children of course you want to protect your children they were children but a part of protecting your children is also educating them so they don't go out there and, and harm someone else's child um you know a part of protecting them is 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 teaching them what is right from what is wrong and teaching them what consequences are for for bad actions teaching them how to protect other people it's just all of it is is education and that is part of being a parent being a parent is not finding your child in trouble and going there there i'll protect you and i'll say whatever needs to be said let's screw the other person that you um that you've affected like that let's let's completely ignore their feelings their thoughts and the trauma that you have left them with because I'm here to protect you and you're my main focus that's for me I mean I'm not a a parent I don't have a child but I would hope that if I did have children that that's the kind of stance that I would take I can't imagine that I would ever be in a situation where I would hear that my child had done something so outrageous and like you say I would be anything other than just self-reflected and going what have I done wrong what have I not taught this child for them to think this kind of behavior is acceptable
2: so I think just to just to take some action steps forward positive action steps that men can do if they want to better themselves on this topic check in on the women in your lives family friends ask them how they're doing offer to be there to support them in moments where maybe they don't feel safe go for walks with them and, you know, pick up a book, (laughs) pick up a book, read some articles on the subject um, and just continue to educate yourself. Um, But the most important thing is just just please
1: listen to women and believe them.
3: (laughs) And don't wait for daughters before you feel empathetic.
1: When you're talking about next steps, as it were, I think definitely something that I have reflected on in the past week is why has it taken... A woman walking home from her friend's house, going missing and being killed. This has turned into a really high profile case. Why has it taken this huge thing to happen for people to start paying attention to women's rights and women's safety? So I think sort of moving forward is exactly as Alana said, we do need to kind of listen to women when they are saying that things are uncomfortable and if you don't understand why things are uncomfortable or you don't see why it's uncomfortable then just ask the question Mm -hmm. um I can't imagine that anybody would feel no that's a lie I was going to say I can't imagine that anybody would feel uncomfortable stating why they're uncomfortable but put the work in and you know if it means moving to a quieter area if it means going to check in on them at a later date or a later time that day or something like that just say that they know they're not alone and that they're just being ignored. I definitely think from listening to my friends and their experiences and even reflecting some of my own, one of the things that is something that stands out quite a lot is the fear of not being believed. I think that is a very large reason why women who are harassed or um, sexually harassed or sexually assaulted don't report because all they have is the stats of here's how many people have reported things and here's what's happened to here's the percentage of 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 people that you know have faced some kind of consequence for that so i think that whilst there is a a bigger picture and this is a huge huge issue actually just doing something as basic as listening to women can be a really big help
4: so uh i want to say first of all thank you to shabazz sitting in again two pods in a row you do one more you take it home Sitting on <laughs> and sharing your knowledge with us today.
1: Thanks for bringing me back again. Looking forward to the next one.
4: All right, well, just we to give it give it a bit of a break. Al- Alana's been here for a year now. With, uh...
2: <laughs> yeah, slow <your> <laughs> roll.
4: <laughs> Alana, thank you, thank you again today for uh, sort of blessing the pod.
2: Yeah, thanks guys.
4: Thank you. It's been a, a at times a heavy episode, but a necessary one. As we said, we we're grounding this pod in men having these difficult conversations and looking critically about yourself and in my own instance no longer hiding behind the shield of it wasn't me or laddish behaviour it's time for us to, to change and check our friends and start inching towards a better, safer future and world for, for women hopefully you all take something from this episode and we'll catch you on the other side next time Thanks very much, guys.